Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod, live here from Greystone Studios. I'm your host, Luke Curry. Uh, we've got Marky B, Marky Baker out there in Glenagueracht. How's it going, Marky B? Are you always going to call me Marky B? I, I thought that was just a temporary thing. Yeah, well, it's coming. It's making a comeback. And uh, you're very welcome, Mark, to the podcast. And we are, you know, I'd like to make a public service uh, announcement here, an apology for some of the Shark Nation out there, where me and Mark only did one episode in January all together, and we usually do four a month at least. Uh, and people are like, you know, where's the Sharks at? Where's, where's, you know, the nation has spoken. They want more episodes. We're back. Uh, we're going to get, we've got some uh, episodes uh, lined up uh, today we're going to have a chat about a, a book that came out a couple of years ago and there's actually been a follow-up book that we might uh, touch on as well so it's jordan peterson's 12 rules for life um this is going to be an interesting one mark because uh, i guess we had been doing a lot of we were getting very philosophical towards the end of the year last year we were breaking out some nietzsche um i were breaking out uh marcus aurelius and the lads over there in the um in that movement stoic movement um but today this i guess is kind of like a, a modern uh take on philosophy philosophy um but what, what do you think about jordan generally um i think you do a, a great impersonation of clean your jordan bloody Z. room sorry <laughs> very good yeah. um yeah he's the, he's obviously a divisive character um i can kind of I, d- I don't really care particularly about all that stuff it's more yeah. i'm more interested in the psychology part of his you know thing not yeah. not really the left or right well the freedom of speech stuff is is interesting but uh yeah and I think you know, people can't see past the the character and i think that maybe we'll set the table for uh for people who maybe don't have a big background on mr peterson yeah. so jordan peterson born in canada my homeboy um in uh, a small town in rural uh, alberta uh which is pra- prairie land for anybody out there who doesn't know canada very well so it's kind of cowboy country um they're one cold of the, as well yeah it gets very cold but it gets it's quite a dry place as well and it, it's um it, it's kind of where calgary is edmonton you know the rocky mountains they've kind of got a little bit of everything but after the rockies it's pan flat all the way to ontario so um it's a uh, it's kind of a rougher canada than a lot of people would be used to if they're used to bc <clears throat> and toronto and stuff like that it's a little bit you know oil rig guys uh you know kind of lumberjacks cowboys a, a little bit more a kind of uh yeah roughneck in that way but um yeah so he came out of that background he's a uh, he was a professor of clinical psychology i believe in university of i don't know if it's uh, University of Toronto or something, uh, some university in Toronto anyway. And he be kind of became famous based on, you know, some op- opposition he had to forced speech um, laws when it came to transgender people and um, pronouns, and stuff. pronouns and stuff like that. But I was thinking like, th- that, that's probably how he got famous. But if you actually look into some of the books that he reads and stuff like that, he really is uh, more focused in his uh, professional work. Um, so if you can kind of separate that, out which well, we've done this that on this podcast with uh stuff some stuff that nietzsche says you know it's not going to be you can take uh as geraldine says my mother take what you what you like and leave the rest and i think uh we're going to do that with jordan today so um, yeah, i think his 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 lectures went viral he started putting his lectures up <clears throat> online i'm not sure how that coincided with a bit of kind of celebrity that he got from the whole pronouns thing but i don't know how long he's been putting them up Surely the college would have said no to him putting his lectures up online. Maybe that was a strange one, I thought. They're really good lectures as well. He might have a some sort of contract with them where he owns the content he produces or something. If yeah. he's like an associate professor or something, like maybe like a contractor professor or something. But okay, yeah, yeah. It's a good like, idea though. It is a good idea. For professors. I think, I think that, you know, if you can kind of get over that that initial thing and I'm kinda of like if if people want to call somebody whatever, you know whatever you choose which one we called who cares you know mm. it's not something that I, you know, I want to go deep into but jordan's uh take or his kind of focus is making sure like men and boys grow up to be good men in the world 
that's kind of what he's uh, kind of focused on. He's done that through his lectures. If you listen to his lectures, it's a lot kind of about how men should uh, behave or you know how to be a good man. Uh, he's done it through his books, through uh, 12 Rules for Life and his follow-up uh, 12 More Rules um, Beyond Order. Um, and then he also has this program called Self-Authoring. Um, I said authoring very weird there. Um, authoring, where he um, basically you kind of he takes people through like younger people and stuff like that, maybe people in college. Uh, the course takes them through, you know, what they want for their future in detail, how they're going to get there. You know, um, and they've done some studies on it, and the outcomes for those students are far better than the ones that don't do that. You know, um, yeah. so so he's done some good stuff, and in this book, like me and Mark, like just to break down these uh, these rules for the listeners. See what we think, uh, what our take is, and all that good stuff. So, we shall we jump in, Mark? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so I'm just going to bump, 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 do some filler noises, and we're ready to rock. Rule one is stand up straight with your shoulders back. So he actually bangs through these pretty quickly, Mark. Um, so that was that was the rule one. <laughs> so uh, listen, stand up straight with your sh- shoulders back. What, what do you think? What do you take from that? When you have to, <clears throat> you're narrowing down rules for life to 12, and that is one of them. It is quite surprising. And a lot of them are, or else like they're, the book isn't going to sell, but it kind of a lot of them kind of me can mean kind of mean a bit like of a broader kind of thing so by he doesn't literally well he actually does mean literally stand up straight with your shoulders back but in a way it's kind of be it's a confident be be confident essentially self-respect i think is that's what i get it from that like if i was the reason why not even self-respect i don't know is it self-respect it's more like more than that i think it's like come across like you're almost not dangerous, but you know, don't, if you, if you crouch down, we had a dog. Do you remember Bruce, our dog? Yeah. And Bruce, big he used to, he was very, hmm? big golden retriever, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But he was very submissive. So when he'd go into the dog park, he would actually hunch down and kind of cower a little bit. I don't know why he, it was just his personality and the dogs would take advantage of him and would bully him and jump on him and attack him. Like some of them would attack him. Like, over over random underdogs that were there because he was he was coming across as weak. Yeah. So it kind of lends to that, and I know he delves into the animal kingdom and stuff when it comes to that type of stuff. But it it makes complete sense. Yeah, it's an interesting. Like, I think yeah, standing up for yourself, kind of. It's also how you kind of present yourself to the world. I was listening. I was listening to an audio book there. It's a. It's a real. Actually, you know what? It's got some nuggets in there. You know. Um, mm. It's your first hundred million by Dan Pena Senior, um, available on. Is there a junior? Uh, I think a son. Uh, but, uh, he is, uh, you know, you know the guy, the billion dollar, or trillion dollar man, whatever he calls himself. If people who like to likes film. to use the the c word a lot. Yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> I've listened. Yeah, I've listened to some of those. There's one clip, especially. I think I've sent it to Mark four or five times. Like just when I. <laughs> when i fall into it but my point is this audiobook is on uh youtube and it's self-read and it's really bad it's like me trying to read a book like out loud it's really bad it's like um but like there's some nuggets in there and one of the things he was saying is like whenever he goes into a room like he wants the other person to like think that he's the lion in that room Mm -hmm. so they're gonna have to behave themselves when he's negotiating with people he's the one he like he's he's not gonna be the prey here you know um, yeah, and when he was running a a real estate business, where um, so he kind of he was a salesperson, and no one told him this one in his younger days. No one put told him that the close rate was something like twenty percent. So he had like an eighty percent close rate because he's like, I'm just going to close everyone who comes into the store, like you know. Um, so he was uh, promoted or whatever, and then he hired <clears throat> he hired uh, all ex military guys that were just. And told them that the close rate is eighty percent. There's no reason why you shouldn't close everyone who comes in the door. There's no mm. reason if you if someone walks out, it's a really bad fail. And then you know, uh, 
sales went up because of that um so my point is maybe that's kind of it as well it's how you kind of present yourself to the world don't be like uh, bruce the golden retriever who got bullied um it's kind of the reason as well like my son he's only one he's only 14 months but like when he's playing with other kids like if they're trying to take his stuff he's str- he, he stiff arms them mm. out of the way he can't speak yet and um you want to be able to, you want him to be able to like share stuff but sometimes <clears> when he starts alphaing alphaing these other babies i'm like i don't want to take that out of his game you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but and it's not about actually being i don't think he means be over dominant or, or aggressive or anything but if you don't it's a risk it's actually i think he says it's more dangerous to be to be to be safe than brave if that makes sense if you're not brave and go out put yourself out there it's actually you, there is a risk that you'll you know you'll get into serious confrontation and you know you might hurt yourself but it's actually riskier to to, to wrap yourself in cotton wool um because you'll be taken advantage of and you'll be you won't evolve properly you'll be weak and he, and he talks about the lobsters and stuff i know he gets a bit of stick for that but i think there's you know it's it's factual the stuff on the lobsters they actually when they lose a fight isn't it they change genetically change or biologically change into more kind of weaker animals into the beta version yeah yeah like what like not over generations like straight away like it's, mm. it's super interesting um if next two um next two ones come very quickly and they're kind of related so we'll just bang into those mm-hmm. and rule two is treat yourself like you're someone responsible for helping and number three which is very tightly associated with number two they're sort of variations on a theme is make friends with those people who want the best for you so what do you think about those marks so the first one is um act like you are someone who's responsible for looking after yourself you know, so you're kind of like your own coach. You have a responsibility to get after it, you know, and kind of motivate yourself. Um, and the second one is make friends with people who uh, want the best for you. Isn't that interesting? I really like the second one. What do you think of the first one? Sorry, number two and uh, number three then. We're, so so number two is treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. Yeah, that that's what he talks about the this kind of self deprecating nature of people are you know they'll put someone else or their pet before their own needs and and health even yeah so it's like they they won't take their own medications a very common thing and look he's a psychologist he knows this they won't take their own often loads of people don't take their own medication i've been to like if, I, if i've like injured myself sometimes <laughs> i have this thing of I, I won't take the i'll see if i can get away with taking the painkillers or whatever but obviously on an extreme end people don't take serious medication for themselves or don't get themselves checked or maybe the whole checking thing is probably more of a, a fear of finding out what's there yeah. but when they actually know what's the problem and they get the medication they it's he's saying that they don't think they deserve the help yeah. that they're trying to give themselves whereas who who doesn't give their dog the medication the vet says to give them exactly or who you know you're responsible for looking after your kids but you don't not you but maybe somebody doesn't uh look after themselves in that way do you know what i mean like the- yeah well the kids but the kids is a bit more of an obvious one that's like a that still kind of relates to yourself in a way um you know kids it's a bit of a stronger thing there but like even pets like you shouldn't care about you should care about your kid more than you care about yourself probably but you shouldn't care about your pet more than you care about yourself absolutely what do you think about that second one this one really or the so number three uh, make friends yeah. with people who are uh, who want you to do well, basically. That's that's kind of like to surround yourself with. Are you the average of the five people you spend the most time with? It's kind of like that, isn't it? I'd imagine. Like to me, it actually goes beyond that. Um, so, like, like recently, I don't know what it, what it's been with the podcast. I I think something happens when you get to a hundred podcasts. Um, I think something like because our numbers have gone up you get lazy <laughs> yeah well we got lazy but i mean uh from a, a algorithm point of view like we, we seem to get a lot of uh inbound messages from people mm. um and kind of we're, we're chatting to those people you know um you know going for coffees with them and stuff like that and it seems like you know i when i talk to those guys i really want them to do well you know um i've got um, the accountability buddy for somebody in galway who i've never spoke to that i met through the podcast do you know what I mean? Or through 
uh, who had e- emailed us. So I think I, w- I really want those people to do well. It's more than just hanging out with people who are assholes, who are, you know, doing better than you financially. I don't think that that's what this is about. Mm. Um, I think this is, you know, there's people who you can hang out with. You and I, we want the best for each other. When you win, I'm so excited about that. Mm. Like, you know, if you tell me about these sales that you've done or whatever, I that's like me. I get, I'm happy as if it was me. And I think yeah. that, I don't know how many people in people's lives generally are, are like that or are they the other way where they want to keep you the way you were 20 years ago or they want yeah. to, if you do well, they like, ah, oh, you know, or, you know, they might celebrate your fair, your failures quietly. Joe, mm. um, I think that there's, it, in a way it's a reciprocal thing. Like if you want somebody say, like some people naturally want people, other people to do better. I'm like that. You're like that. Um, if I get jealous about somebody, I might be like, oh, that, they got that, you know, how do I get that? Yeah. And then you figure it out yourself, you know, and again, it's a very small thing in your head, but it, if you're not naturally like that, one of those people who just wants the best for everybody or most or their friends, at least it's kind of hard. You, you kind of need someone to actually help you be like that. If you're the opposite way around, you're a hater yeah. and you're a begrudger. And I don't know, like some countries are worse at that than others, but then Irish people are great at putting Irish up on a pedestal as well. Like people, people sometimes focus on the begrudgery. Um, but so if you want to surround yourself with people that want the best for you, you have to actually help them be the best for themselves. And then it's a cyclical thing. Maybe. Yeah. Does that make sense? Maybe that, yeah, that could work. Like, so you get what you put, you get what you put out to the universe. Joe, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Or, or is he saying just if ditch the haters and just fucking find people that are just naturally good people. I think that's what it is. I think it depends. Like there's been people in my life that wanted me to do really well coaches that i've had do that kind of feeling where people are cheering you on yeah i think that's what you need you need more cheer cheerleaders in your life whether that's your family whether that's friends people who have shared interests people at work like how many people are genuinely happy in corporate work when somebody does well very few some people are i am like one of our our uh the hubspot's new uh chief uh sales officer is going to be um is going to be an Irish guy that bet all these Harvard MBAs to get to mm. the top table. It's from me. I'm like, I'm, de- I'm genuinely delighted when I got that news. I was like, yes. Yeah. Cause you yeah. sent it, you sent the link to me and you said, pretty much said that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see. Like, you know, it's like a, mm. it's like a Rocky story, you know? Mm. And, um, so I, I do, I think I have that. I think it's a gift. Do you like know it? Mm. But, um, okay, let's roll. By the way, these last two rules aren't injunctions designed to make your life easier. They're actually injunctions designed to make your life more difficult. Kierkegaard said at one point that his role in life, given that everything was proceeding to become easier and easier in all possible ways, that there would come a time when people would cry out for difficulty. And so that's partly how he envisioned his role in the world, interestingly enough, as a universal benefactor of mankind who would strive to do nothing other than to make life more difficult for everyone right and so rule two and three are like that because treat yourself as if you're someone responsible for helping isn't the same as be nice to yourself it's not that and to associate with people who want the best for you means that they get to demand the best from you and that's also not an easy thing rule four is compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not to who someone else is today what do you think about that one so compare yourself to yourself yesterday, not to anyone else. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think that's that's probably one of the more obvious ones, isn't it? I think it's obvious, but I don't know of how many people are out there going, Jesus, you know, I'm better than I was yesterday. You know? Well, that that thing is, uh, yeah, that's good advice. But uh, don't compare yourself to, to other people is, you know, that's that's a recipe for disaster if you're comparing yourself to others. Um. That kind of that kind of feeds into the one beforehand. Uh, if you're constantly kind of focused on other people's success, then you feel shit about yourself. I think it's the last thing that you said there that you feel shit about yourself. That's the problem. But like you know, when you see other recruiting businesses doing well, I think 
you comparing yourself to them guys and saying, why am I, you know, in have, have an office in New York like these guys? I can, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. I think there is, I think comparing yourself can be helpful as well. No, it de- definitely can. <laughs> um, but you can, you can, you can cross the line, I think. Look, I'll often, like, it's hard not to. LinkedIn is a very kind of, in, like it's people celebrating their wins or other people's wins that's pretty much yeah. what it delighted to do this you know uh usually is what i are delighted to have passed this or got this usually is the start of the sentence um i've noticed it's even getting it's even getting more weirder now it's like just got back from my four-week holiday feeling rested and ready to get going i'm like what is happening here you know? yeah <laughs> people are just really running out of content yeah. um yeah they start doing Jordan Peterson reviews. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so compare yourself to who you were yesterday, though. That that makes complete sense. And that's kind of like the game changer for me, the thing that I'm doing. It's trying to get 1% better each each day yeah. uh, by comparing yourself, saying what went well yesterday, uh, what could have gone better, you know. Um, but you got to, st- I think it's important to set a good standard there because say, say if you just, you know, you you didn't drink, you know, ten beers yesterday. This today, you'll you'll drink nine <laughs> beers and do nothing. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you gotta have. Yeah. So standards are important. Yeah. And that's an injunction about envy. You need things that are above you, because you need to do something worthwhile with your life. You need something to aim at. But one of the consequences of that is that you can become envious of people that you believe have attained more in a deserved or undeserved manner, and that can make you bitter. And so it's much better to compare yourself to yourself and to use yourself as the target for improvement and comparison. Rule five is don't let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. <laughs> I always thought that one was a real weird one. Because it's not really I, thought, I think it's. I think it makes complete sense. It makes sense, but a lot of them are very uh, uh, you know, self-centered like you know you're trying to build a good life for yourself and then but i i agree with that like don't let your kids be annoying to other people or you know um that makes them have manners and stuff like that i wonder like some like you know you've got two kids that are a little bit older than my child but um do you think it's a little bit innate whether they're going to be likable or dislikable i know you're going to like them but like you've got you've got really well behaved children you know oh did you yeah was that I... by design or is it <laughs> Um, I think, I think it all, I think it mostly is though. Like I think most kids left unchecked will go off the rails. And I think, I think that's fair to say, you know, you get some kids that are kind of naturally quiet, but it's always hard because you can't compare because the nurture has already happened. But, um, I think people, I think he says it as well, that adults, even adults like really don't like annoying kids (laughs) and it's terrible. But, you know, when a kid is being real annoying in a restaurant or whatever, and it's it's not yours, even if it is yours and not yours, like, does it, it they rile you up, like, especially yeah. if you're out of the the baby stage. When I was with two under two or, or whatever it was, nothing could really annoy me because there's so much noise all the time. I wasn't yeah. triggered by any noise. It was all, you know, white noise at that stage. But now that they're actually quiet now and do their own thing, when I hear, you know, young kids kind of screaming and shouting, it does kind of be like, geez, shut them up. It's everything. And you say it to yourself in, in your head, like you're kind of like, if they're going on and on and on, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so he said, but he said that there's actually a biological reason for that. It's like that. I don't know how true it is now, but he, I think he says that that kid might grow up then to have issues. If he's not being checked by his parents, that human being is a, is a liability. Uh, down the line and you don't want to be associated with that liability in your tribe type of thing. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Or maybe it's... The social world opens up its arms to them and welcomes them at every level. And you've done your job if you can manage that. And it's not a simple thing to do. Rule six is put your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. I love this one because the Curries have a house rule in uh in uh our house as well as if i'm doing like a running a team or something in and uh in work or on a project or something if if you don't this isn't exactly a comparison but if you don't have a uh a better plan you're not allowed to criticize the plan i like that you don't have a better plan we don't want to hear it that's mm. this is the plan because this is what we got do you know so that's what we're doing 
we're open to any other suggestions and stuff like that but just saying oh this won't work or yeah i don't know if this is the right way that's naysayer slowing everything down yeah it's a real quick way to a solution as well like often in our house on a sunday or something it might be oh what we do today and if nobody says anything it it could just be people just shouting out random things and and one person going no 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 (laughs) And then at the end of it, it's kind of like, well, what do you, what will we do then? But if, if maybe if I was to start off and say, let's go, yeah. uh, go for a walk in Kalini Hill. And they're like, no, let's go for a walk in Glen the Lock. You know what I mean? Like at least yeah. that's got a good rule that somebody has to come up with another idea. I, I think it just moved things along quite well. Yeah. But I think he was actually talking about like, if it's all those keyboard people, uh, you know, on Twitter, you know, the way they go on about what should happen in the world, but they're not doing anything in their own house about it. They're not, you know, they're, they're quick to criticize. And me and Mark were talking about the, that we actually had a, a podcast episode called, um, uh, smart or what was it? Uh, pessimists sound smart, but optimists get rich. I think that's, yeah. that's kind of the thing as well. It's people love talk people down or criticize, but, themselves are not uh like if they just look after themselves first but think about it it's 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 very easy to be pessimistic and and to be critical it's very hard to do what it takes to get rich or whatever endeavor it may be um i had a had a thought hmm. today mark yeah all right doesn't happen every day (laughs) but uh usually it comes to me in form of a two to three minute voice message yeah I love sending those voice messages. I hate t- typing. I've got chubby thumbs. Um, but I had the thought that today, the world today is the best it's ever been. Right? Is that a fact? I just I think it is. I it just, depends how you measure that. I was thinking about like when I was growing up or when my dad was uh, was working. And he was you know his own boss, so he worked a lot. But he was gone all day. You know, There was mm. no flexibility there at all. We we actually opened our offices and I'm going back next week, you know, uh, for a couple of days and then I'm gonna gonna go in and out, a few days a, few days a month, yeah. Um, but that type of flexibility, is is better than it's ever been. I'm gonna go to Portugal, for two weeks and w- work there for two weeks. So I'm gonna go to like a, one of those co-working spaces. Gonna I'm gonna meet really cool people that are there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's so from a work point. I just think it's a brilliant time to to work also like well, i told you one of our guys works from portugal exactly so maybe i'll h- hook up with him he was know? he was playing uh a gig in a pub on saturday night on his guitar and then he was in working you know it's, monday morning so from a work point of view it's it's the best time from a like from a being able to make money point it's like this you have access to every market in the world like when our parents were growing up like you had to work for the local factory. You didn't have, you couldn't start. A side hustle, like my dad's side hustle. He worked in the factory and my dad's side hustle was being a barman on the also weekends. Also working. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so it's not, yeah, I know, like, um, and I, I just, I'd had thought to him, like is, that's, it's the best it's ever been. And to appreciate that um, and to, like I was talking to people in work today and maybe they were you know, upset with something and I was just like, you know, you, you can stop working right now if you want so many opportunities if you don't like mm. this think about it today and if you do want, don't want to come in tomorrow don't Joe you yeah. don't have to anymore you know there's just yeah. so much well, especially right now because there's lot there's so many jobs around <clears throat> so and if anybody does want to leave their job visit darwinhawkins.ie that's darwin with a d and that's not <laughs> that's actually dot com I don't take know I said no action for others until you have your act together that isn't what the rule means it means that Bind your ambition with humility and work on what's right in front of you that you will suffer for if you get wrong before you engage in the large-scale transformation of other people. So he kind of rounds it off there. Um, Sorry, it's gone into an ad here on YouTube, so we're just going to have to wait for a few seconds before we jump in there. Um, We might edit this out. (laughs) Leave it in do what is meaningful okay and well, not what is expedient and you engage in the large-scale transformation of other people 
rule seven is do what is meaningful and not what is expedient. This one is a difficult one, Mark. Do what's meaningful and not expedient. So Easier said than done, though, really, isn't it? Sometimes stuff has to be done straight away. Hold on. <laughs> and I would say in some sense that's the core ethos of the book. Not exactly, because rule eight, which is tell the truth or at least don't lie, is a necessary conjunction to that or a necessary additional element because I don't think that you can pursue what is meaningful without telling the truth and the reason for that is if you don't tell the truth or let's say if you lie which is an easier way to think about it you corrupt the mechanisms the instinctual mechanisms that manifest themselves as meaning and then so Mark he kind of said a lot there we have to unpack so he's saying the so he kind of that was number seven and eight so seven is do something meaningful, not expedient. It's very like I got my um, I got kind of like a like a professional photographer take our family stuff recently, and I felt like she was really into it. I felt like it was meaningful for her. You know, she was trying to mm. make our family, you know, look the the best we can. There was a lot of it, just a lot of feeling in what she was doing, and I thought to myself, you could. You could find a way to do a meaningful, you know, job of work. I'm not saying that what I do isn't meaningful, but it is, you know, a big a cog in a big machine, you know, at that isn't like I'm not, I'm not changing the world personally. Neither is she, but at least she has the a very, um, a real connection to her work. Do you know? So when she does it, like you when you paint a, a uh, painting, you did it. You can see it. It's very uh, tangible. And then even with the recruitment, you're changing people's lives by getting them new jobs. There's no mm. doubt about it. Their life changes because of the impact, because you re- you and your team reached out to them. Isn't that yeah. bad? Like their whole yeah, that's life why, is that's why I do it, you know, as opposed to finance. I wasn't, I wasn't getting anything from, from finance and I wasn't particularly great at it either. And I wasn't probably going to go to the top. So, um, yeah, meaningful. Nobody puts that... Career do career guidance counselors talk about what jobs are meaningful and what aren't? Not really. They just give that sheet with those bullshit um, average salaries. And you're like, I just get do the top one. They're like, that's uh, actuary. You know, you do ordinary maths. I'm like, okay, whatever, and then just leave. That's the <laughs> that's basically how, it, <laughs> how all those meetings went. Um, but anyway, my uh, my point. I th- I think that there's a kind of a trade-off sometimes with meaning and money. Sometimes, yeah. the, you know, if you want to make, a, it depends, you know, it'd be the best if you could uh, weave them together. If you look at something like mm. Tony Robbins that does kind of that, those type of uh, kind of seminars about building people's lives up and everything. I think that's a good way to mix in some meaning and actually get, you know, you know, they're like six grand or whatever to go to. So he's making some cash. I don't know why he needs the money anymore. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Do it for free, Tony. What's going on? <laughs> I'd love it. Me and you should go to one. I'd love to. Yeah. I'd get up and I'd walking over hot goals, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm on smack, Tony. I need help." You know, I'd I'd really <laughs> I'd try to get attention. Really, well, like, <laughs> um, but I'd be worth the six grand. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't trust them, and that's a very bad idea. So the fundamental reason to not lie is because you corrupt your own perceptions if you lie. So that was the. Number eight there was like, don't lie or at least, was it? <laughs> Tell the truth don't, or at least don't lie. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you go through life without lying? Genuine question. I don't think it can be done. No. You can't. You can't survive. You well, I think he's obviously talking about don't tell big lies. I think it must be talking about, like, I mean, when you're, it's like anything. Like, you're going to buy this house. I don't go, yeah, I'm just to let you know, I'm willing to pay this. Mm. you say all I've got is X take it or leave it when I have mm. way more than that that's a lie mm. so I just I don't know when people say that I, I get kind of like it's kind of it's one that comes I'm a big believer in uh, the Buddhist eightfold path have you ever done Buddhism on the shark pot no well, I've never read it on Buddhism oh we could do a that's a, a great podcast on that we get a Buddhist on that'd be good cool. I feel like it would take away from my uh, my game your edge it's, mm. it gives you a better edge not really I find that hard to believe <laughs> yeah that was a lie 
um, no, but it, it, basically, like, it, but is there like I can't? He's like I can't even show you the I can't show you what the way I I can't show you the end goal, but I can show you the way. And he has eight steps, so he's like a psychologist. It's very similar to what we're talking about here. Um, okay. And some of them are really good. Like you have a responsibility to maintain a positive uh, mindset, and that I, that affects me every day. Sometimes if I'm getting a little bit negative, I go actually. It's on me to make sure. It's not for anyone else to keep me positive or any mm. outside factor. I can feel positive if I want to, Joe. And um, yeah, but if you so we'll do a Buddhism one, Mark, and I think you'll like it. You know, what you should know? I read then? Well, well, you can read the Pali Canon if you've got if you've got all day and you've you got like an interpreter beside you, um, or you can listen to the like. There's some audio books. There's called um, Why Buddhism Is True. Um, it's like a scientific look at Buddhism. It's on Audible. That was really good. Um, okay. There's also the I've got a book here called the uh, Atheist Buddhist, and it's kind of a guy who lived in the monks or lived in the like a uh, a monastery and stuff like that. But he, you know, he's not a a deist. He doesn't believe in God or anything. Um, or you can go. There's, there's loads, Joe. Um, hmm. but there, the the eightfold path is really interesting because it's like a little step by step, and I think you know not lying is in there as well you know so it has something called right speech so you're supposed to just tell the truth all the time do they mean to yourself or to everybody i think he meant to everybody he, mm. he's chasing enlightenment he's going next level though yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe? i don't think that's practical i'm i'm opting out of that one you're opting out of buddhism okay fair enough here we go no 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 i'm in i'm interested there but just that rule, tell okay. the truth or at least don't lie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jordan's one. No, 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 I will. I'll stick to it. I'll tell the truth. Don't worry. And when you corrupt your I? own perceptions, then you can't rely on yourself. And if you can't rely on yourself, then, well, good luck to you. Because what are you going to rely on in the absence of your own judgment? You've got nothing if you, if you lose that. Rule eight is, as I said, tell the truth or don't, or at least don't lie. Rule nine. Assume that the person that you're listening to knows something you don't. And that's not so much a mark of respect for the person, although it is that. It's a mark of recognition of your own unbearable ignorance. One of the things you have to do in life, you have to decide what's more important, what you know or what you don't know. First of all, there's a lot of what you don't know. And so if you make friends with that, if you decide that's important, then, well, that's a good thing because you're going to be surrounded by what you don't know your entire life. and so. If you're appreciative of that, then that's going to make things go better for you. What do you think? I think I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Like I, I just think everyone's in, interesting. I think everyone has a story. Like if you talk to everybody, like they, I think what he's getting at there is like you know, give everyone a chance. Don't be so quick to think I'm better than this person, or you know that type of way. Um, it's like Greg Canty, our friend over at um, Winning Happy Podcast. Like when he was on our our podcast, he was saying that. Yeah, everyone has a story. If you did a background on almost everyone, they have something interesting that happened to them along the way, or you know, at least they see themselves. They see a, a story in their own head about mm. this. So there's, there's everyone you speak to has something that you can learn uh, learn from. Do you think that's true, Mark, or do you think that's fake news? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's probably two two skills that a lot of people could learn a little bit more is asking the interesting questions or the right questions, you know, for people to open up a little bit and find out more about them <clears throat> and then actively, actively listen. Like when I start a conversation, the best conversations I feel I have if from somebody I don't know and I speak to people I don't know all the time is, is to find out, is to let them talk as much as possible in order for me to be able to, you know, help them essentially. Yeah. Um. So I think a lot of people will just jump on, jump in and, waffle away and then they won't even know what the other person is thinking or wants or needs you know it's and i think i've got i, I think i've probably got worse as i got older at that joke at listening at listening and kind of asking people like um i I'm, i haven't since since i lived in canada i haven't really gone up to people i don't know and talked to them in like shops or um cafes and stuff i was way better over there i don't know if it was like there's less to lose why would you be doing that though i mean like from from a work perspective for like me I'd, I'd be walking down commercial drive in vancouver talking to bums 
Really? Uh, like if I saw a Native American, I'd go over and like say, well, "What's what tribe you in?" <laughs> Do you know, I'd really I'd yeah. be talking to everybody, and over here I just had the earphones on. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Maybe you're just a bit more interested in different cultures and you kind of know. I find over wherever you're from, for anybody, like you could tell within a glance what somebody is or isn't or their background. Yeah. That's what's always a little bit unnerving when you go to, say, somewhere like a big city or New York or something. You just don't know what that person could possibly be because yeah. it's such a melting pot. Whereas over here, you know when you should be afraid of someone and when you shouldn't. What type of people are you talking about, Mark? Just people you might see in, in town. But the other element of that is, well, why should you be appreciative of what you don't know? And the answer to that is, well, you shouldn't. If your life is absolutely perfect in every way, you have exactly what you need and want, you've put everything in order around you, then what you know is sufficient. But if you believe that things could still be put right around you in your own personal life and with regard to the effect that you have on other people, then obviously what you don't yet know is more important than what you do know, and you should be paying attention to find out what you don't know at every possible moment. And if you're fortunate when you have a conversation with someone and you're actually interested in what they say, then even if they're not very good at communicating, even if they're awkward, or even if they display a certain amount of enmity towards you, there's always the possibility that they might tell you something you don't know, in which case you can walk away from the conversation less ignorant and corrupt than you were when you started the conversation. And if your life isn't everything that you would like it to be, then being slightly less ignorant and corrupt is probably a good thing. And so... What do you think, Mark? Is he, is he uh, reaching a little bit on this one? He seems to be explaining a lot. That's always a bad sign. <laughs> well, that's funny because it leads into his next number 10 yeah so number 10 is got a queued up here is be precise in your speech and that's that's an observation i would say that's a variant of a new testament injunction which is or maybe a description of the nature of the world which is knock and the door will open and ask and you will receive so be very definite in your speech. So like, is it, does he mean like say what you mean or cut out, cut out the waffle? Yeah, I think he does. And that goes back to your point because you didn't believe him as much on the last point, number Ooh, nine, because yeah. he was he was waffling on a bit. Interesting. And I, I mean, I'm doing interviews like, you know, uh, in work, I interview people that are joining. And the pe like the amount of waffle that happens is really strange. When you're on the mm. other side, you're like, am I like this? It's great. I think it's great to learn interview technique by interviewing people. Yeah. You know, especially when you have nothing on the line. Yeah. The, there's a power. It's different. In it. Like I, I obviously interview people constantly and help them with interviews and speak to the interviewer and the interviewee after the, the conversations. And so I built up a whole load of expertise there. But still, if I was ever to do an interview, and I probably never will again, but it it's easy for me to say I'd be I'd nail it because I I know exactly what to say and what not to say. But if if there's something on the line there, it's going to be different. Like if I really want whatever that is, nerves kick in, self doubt, all that kind of stuff, and that's when you start to ramble. And that's did you ever have like I've done that many interviews in my whole life, <clears throat> but I only had a few jobs. But it's like an outer body experience when you yeah. realize I'm still talking, but I'm not actually saying anything. Yeah. Did you ever get that? That's why I I keep it in. I, if I'm interviewed, I'm trying to do it like rock tight. I don't know, rock tight isn't a thing, but like, you know, airtight. Like I, I have, I use my fingers like, so if you say, you know, tell me a situation when, you know, your last time you failed, you're like, well, I was given this task X. Uh, it didn't go well because of Y. The action I took was Z and the outcome was A, B and C. So you do that, you actually show your hands like that one finger at a time yeah. while you're saying it. While you're saying it, keeps me took. That's out. actually really good, really good. Uh, did you learn that somewhere? I made that shit up, Mark. I did. And I just, because I thought to myself, that's the way to answer and then just stop talking. The Luke Curry hand method? Yeah, Luke Curry hand job. <laughs> you know? It's been going around for years. <laughs> we'll be pulling that out in interviews. So, um... <laughs> 
So my point is, if you just just any question that they ask, that's what they actually want. And that they, if they have to write that down as a question and compare it to others, if you gave them the problem, you know, this isn't new. Like that's not new, but to count it, no, no, yeah. that, and then you're like, oh wait, I've I've got to the end of that point. So to stop. That's a really good way because that is that is the problem. You forgot what point of the of the explanation or your answer that you're at. Yeah. And also yeah. I think it's really refreshing if you use a, an actual a failure. You know, what do you mean? Do you know when you're interviewing people and you're like if you're interviewing some this didn't happen this uh this week, but I remember I was interviewing uh, a guy who became friends with me here like uh in HubSpot. And his name was Oliver, and he's a big Finnish guy. He was on the Shark Pod actually back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, he's interviewing, and he was, you know, like when I say like, you know, when did you do badly, or you know, when did you underperform? When's the last time you failed something? It's like, oh, why did I, you ask that question? Because we want to, I want to see how they react. Mm. Uh, okay, and if they say, it's one of the standard questions that we're told to ask, like, oh, okay, um, and. Uh, yeah, so he goes, ah, oh, don't really fail at anything. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you, then why are why are we doing the interview then? And you're sitting in the hot seat. <laughs> True. Yeah, like, yeah. What's the? Did you say that? No, I'm. I'm That's so, a good answer, though. I'm really, really um, overly nice, and it's something that I was listening back to one of the interviews I did a long time ago, and I'm I'm trying to fill in gaps for them, and he shouldn't do that. Like mm. I'm trying to lead them. I'm like, oh yeah, so that's like that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that sounds like you really showed perseverance there. Am I? <laughs> am I? Am I pulling a thread here on perseverance? <laughs> uh, yeah, I find I do that when I like somebody. Like, I'll yeah. like, <laughs> I want them to yeah. do well for and me, so and it's you, kind of pointless. Yeah. So you say you overachieved on this task, um, but what what was the task again? That's a yeah. great story, but what we want to see, and then, you know. Um, so that, those types of ones were. Did he get the job? Um, most of the people I interview get the job, uh, but like, like I'm not making the decision either. Mostly, I'm just I just have input. You know? oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, it's one, it's one of those things where I'm thinking if if somebody if you're interviewing somewhere also, I don't I don't understand the dynamic of the interview. It's something that we put in our own heads. I know I'm going off topic here, but something we put in our own heads. Mm. Like, imagine if someone. Like next time I do it, like especially if it's a Zoom interview for a job, I'm gonna mm. treat it like it's a podcast and I'm the host. Mm. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, so how you know? They're like, tell me about the time. I'm like, oh, let me tell you about a time when my boss was this and that. And then <laughs> so I you think if up. you have a podcast, you're already had an advantage, and not a lot of pe- people think everybody has a, have a podcast, but they don't. Uh, I can tell you that they don't because we know the effort that I goes into actually continually do them. Yeah. Everybody by the time. They die probably might have tried to have a podcast, but no, not a lot of people have one 100 plus. Yeah. But like, that's such a big advantage because you're so used to talking. Yeah. I actually about forgot, yourself. I actually forgot I was things. on a, uh, hmm? I, I forgot I wasn't on a podcast today uh, in a meeting because I was running the meeting and it was like, uh, you know, someone gave me the deck and there was one that was uh, like, there was like an icebreaker question for people and it was, where, where's the best place you ever went on holiday? And I was like, hey, Mark, where'd you go? Tell us, tell us all about that. And then they're like, Spain's like, yeah, Spain. Awesome. How about Jakey? Jakey, where did you go? And then he's like, I went to Argentina. I'm like, bitch, I used to go to Argentina. You know, let's keep this rolling. You know, it was really weird. I only forgot that I wasn't on a podcast. You know? <laughs> I go on these soliloquies and stuff. So maybe it's been good for that. Public speaking, I guess. Or, you know. And was that your, te- your team or broader just, team? Yeah, just a team meeting. Um, I was Someone was supposed to run up at the... Uh, they had uh, uh, they were sick, so they couldn't come. So I people ty- people typing in the background. Why is Luke calling us Shark Nation? <laughs> what is up, <laughs> team? Partner acquisition, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so because I, I was actually trying to kill time as well while I was going through the slides because I hadn't really looked at them because I wasn't supposed to be running it. Like, and I was like, "Hey, where did you go?" And they're like, uh, "Someone said Belize." And I'm like, "Belize, awesome! Tell us more about that." You know? Sound like your man John Lee Dumas. Uh, I wish. Which is a very I'd love to get him on the podcast. Theory, let's say, but which I would say is far more in accordance with what we know about the psychology of perception, let's say, than you might imagine, because it is the case that you don't get what you don't aim at. 
You might get what you do aim at, and your aim might get better. You might get what psychology of perception, let's say. Sorry, I think we missed one here. It's a very strange theory, let's say. But, which I would say is far more... Rule 10 is be precise in your speech. Yeah, we've done that one. ...world, which is, you might imagine, because... Actually, if you specify the nature of the being that you want to bring into being, then you radically increase the probability that that's what... He's yeah. still talking about that. He's still okay. talk, is he still talking about that? I think so, yeah. Okay. Oh, ironically. Right. Well, yeah, occur. Right. And of course, you all know that because you regard yourself, at least to some degree, as active creative agents, right? Your fundamental attitude towards yourself, at least in the manner that you act towards yourself, is that you wake up in the morning and you have a landscape of possibilities that lay themselves open to you and you make choices between those possibilities and determine in consequence how the world is going to manifest itself. So you confront a field of potential, that's a good way of thinking about it, and through your choices you determine which elements of that potential are going to concretize themselves into the real world. And you are very unhappy with yourself if you don't do that properly, and you're very unhappy with other people if they don't do that properly, and you're very unhappy with other people if they don't treat you. Do you know what, Jordan? I'm completely lost on this one. Um, he's been waffling there for a second. What How does he keep his train of thought? I don't know. Uh, so what's the... So that's just... Let's do the last. So Jordan... 12 rules. He needs to stick to his own rules. I know. Uh, he definitely needs to get a little bit more concise with his uh, with his uh, words there because there's just two more left. I think he was he was referring to... I've got them here yet. Duh, duh, duh. He was referring to following through with, you know, wholeheartedly or something. It's going to open now. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. So, Mark, do you have it there, actually? Number 11, number 10 and 11, 12. Is it number 11, do not bother children while they're skateboarding? That's right. Um, yeah. So, the do not bother children while they're skateboarding is when he really goes into, you know, it's, you don't be, have to wrap your kids in cotton wool. You actually want them to be a little bit more um, adventurous. You want them to scrape their knees and stuff like that. Because when he was a clinical psychologist, he was saying that no one ever said that they were, um, their parents made them too independent. <laughs> it's always the opposite way around. So mm. I, th I've, I think I'll find this very difficult as my child gets older to you know allow them to take risks and stuff like that, like physical risks or you know societal risks. Um, do you feel that now? Like, I mean, your girls are, you know, they play sports and stuff like that. Are you, do you ever tell them to kind of be careful anymore? I know they're a little bit older. Um, well, there's seven and nine on the physical side. No, well, Leila broke her ankle playing Gaelic already. And like, it was horrible, but she, you know, she f fixed it and, you know, it was fine. And they're, they're very resilient kind of physically. Um, it's more. Or the the big problem nowadays is is they not a lot of kids are kind of out in the street. Everybody's yeah. afraid that the kid's going to get kidnapped or whatever. Um, but the actual likelihood of that is actually really, really unlikely. Um, I read some there's some statistic about if you if you leave leave your kid. It was in America. If you do you have you heard of that one? If you leave your kid in a car in Walmart in a Walmart car park. I think it was in New York or somewhere. Like it would take like sixty million years for them to be kidnapped. <laughs> really? Yeah, something mad like that. So, well, when you say it like that, that's that's how often it would actually happen compared to how many people it happens to, and so. It's a it's a it's statistics for me. They don't really. I don't maybe because I'm a a caveman mind. I don't really understand statistics, and that wouldn't give me. That doesn't give me comfort. Statistics don't give me comfort, Mark. Isn't that weird? They actually give me real comfort. Do they? That's how I get over fear of anything, like flying, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't Not that I had a fear, but like, like flying, angel fear or something. Like my wife going bungee jumping in New Zealand and stuff like that. I mean, no one in that thing had ever, they'd never had any accidents in like 20 years or something. I don't care. Well, I can't do it. Like, Well, that's different though. <laughs> like I can't, I'm not getting enough, the tiny, tiny reward for that is not the sorry sorry the tiny tiny risk that that is for me any reward isn't yeah 
Like I'd really want to be, they'd want to be a million euro at the end of the, at the end of that rope, you know, that, that type of thing. Whereas if you, if you keep your kids wrapped in cotton wool and keep them in the house and never let them out or exposure to any kind of con conflict, there's a, a huge domino effect for the rest of their life and other people's lives by wrapping them in cotton wool. So that there's a huge risk there. I think like, yeah, you gotta let them get out there, make their own mistakes and just be the kind of, you know, the, the safety net when things go badly, you know? Um, the last step, the last one that we've got here is pet a cat when you encounter one in the street, Mark. What do you think about that? Um, there's a lot of dodgy looking cats around here. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm allergic to cats a little bit as well. For me, I feel like he's just saying, you know, make sure that you're, you're nice to all things. Don't be, Yeah. you know, don't, if you can not be an asshole, don't be, you know, um, which is almost all the time. Do yeah. Know? And I think, um, I think there's people have a problem with cats generally. I don't know what it is. I grew up with cats and uh, it's fine. I don't trust them. If he has a dog, I'd have been like, I'd more, li I'd more likely pet a, a dog in the street than a cat. Would you? I'm the opposite. Yeah. I don't like really? uh, dogs. I don't know. I don't like them, but I don't trust them. I think you can tell what a dog is thinking. You yeah, can't tell yeah. what a cat's thinking. I'm not trying to generally, but um, <laughs> I know what you mean. No, I get it. Um, you so, had a cat for a long time. Absolutely. Um, so I, I kind of grew up with that, but it's, it's, uh, the 12 rules for life I think is a good place to start he does have another book called uh, you know Beyond Order uh, another 12 um, some of them are these go a little bit more deeper uh, or more deep rather um, mm. so one of them is do not do what you hate it's a difficult thing to do sometimes for people but um, mm. to, to, I like this one be grateful in spite of your suffering I think that's a kind of a, a cool rule to have mm. Um I think gratefulness is probably the answer for most problems. Do you know what I mean? I try to be yeah. actively you, try to be grateful. Yeah, but the, did I say you can't be you can't be thinking negative, or can't be depressed or something like that in the moment while you're actually being grateful. Like it's, it's, like, it's like it's like a, a counterbalance. Like you can't have both at the same time. It's and yeah. that's why it's good for you. Yeah, and I think that it's something that you can cultivate like on purpose. So if I if I if I'm awake in the morning in bed and I can't sleep, I'll use that time to try to be grateful mm. about everything. Who was I listening to? There was I think it was a podcast. I can't remember who it was, somebody well known probably. Um, but they were saying to actively be uh, really grateful every day they imagine horrific things happening to people they love. Wow. And and then after it they're like they're just like so grateful. It's like when you have a really terrible dream and you wake up and everything's oh, all right. I love that feeling. I was like, oh, yeah. thank God, I have to deal with that. That would have been awful. You know, I love it. I love when that happens. But I don't know if I could actively do that every day. I don't know if the side effects of doing that, that'd be, that's a bit too much. There's another one here. Imagine who you could be and then aim single-mindedly at that. I like that one. That's from the yeah. next book. And when he kind of explained, I heard him explain that in a lecture as well. And he was saying like, if you, if you're, if you're 20, it's cute because you're still Peter Pan and you're still growing up and people are like, you know, we know people that are younger just getting going and it is, you've got so much possibility and stuff. <clears throat> he said, that doesn't really happen at 30. People go, okay, you're not Peter Pan anymore. Fucking pick what you're doing and go <laughs> after it. Right. Um, and that's what he was saying there. So even if you don't know what to do, just, just bloody pick one. You know, and uh, get after it. And he goes, even if you have to take a right turn or something, at least if someone says what you're doing with your life, you're saying, I'm going to be the best gymnast in the world and I'm doing it. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, One thing that I noticed when reading the book was it's heavily, he refers to the Bible a lot. Yeah. What's all that about? I, I think I think he's, he is a Christian. He said that on Joe Rogan. Or yeah. Like a deist, you know? Um. But he does it in a way that it's, it's like he never admits that he he's Christian. He's Christian. It's the he uses the archetypes, you know. Yeah, it's a real book of stories. Like, um, I'm reading. Do you know like that uh, that show that was on Netflix, Wild Country? Wild. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wild, yeah. wild country with Osho, the the cult leader guy. And what was your one's name again? Something uh, like Robin, Deborah or something. Deborah or something, something like that. Debbie. Is it? I can't remember. <laughs> oh, it's a name like that though. Yeah. And uh, so I'm reading one of his books 
at like one of his audiobooks. It's blowing me away. It's really and is it him reading it? It's him reading it. Is he is he dead or is he still gone? I think he might be dead now. I'm not yeah. sure, but he has. What was his name again? Um, Osho's is the name that he gives himself. Okay, I think it was something else in the in the thing. Yeah, Maharashi or something was it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, reading it, like uh, his audiobook is really good. I'm going to Sheila. Go that was her name. Sheila. Wasn't it? Yeah, the Irish, <laughs> the Irish word Sheila. Yeah. Um, so he was. Uh, my point there was he was like breaking down all the stuff in the Bible as well, and how it's all parables. Every single thing that Jesus does is just a story. Could have been any, could have been any person. It's not his history. And the way he was talking about it just applies all like the way he applies it is real mind opening you know so it's like all the all the parables and stuff were there already and they just apply it to a narrative the, the man, a man called jesus christ yeah that's what that's kind of what he was saying and it's the same it's like the same subtext or same code as buddha as krishna um yeah same message so uh it's just it was an interesting take and when when you asked me about that about the Bible thing. I just think it's a, it's a nice thing to tie in. I think he thinks it's a nice thing to tie to that. Lots of people would recognize, mm. you know, stories that he doesn't have to make up. So we can say, mm. Oh, it's like this in the Bible. Cause he's almost assuming like a lot of people know these stories and he's kind of, yeah, he's using, maybe he's using that as authority to add weight to his, um, his arguments. Joe. Yeah. The, the Adam and Eve stuff at the start was, it was just a bit strange. It seemed like he was talking about it like it, like it was a factual thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I talking about that. the snake and stuff. I get that from his some of his lectures as well. I'm kind of like, does he think? What's surely he doesn't think this? Because when you yeah. then you watch that uh, movie with uh, my man, what's his name? Henry. No, uh, it was the the Noah one that they they made about ten years ago. Uh, my my friend from Gladiator, the guy <laughs> that I'm turning into. Slowly. Russell Crowe. Russell, Russell Crowe. Not Russell Crowe. Your Gladiator. canary down the mine. Yeah. Russell Crowe, uh, circa 55 years old. If you want to see what I'm going to look like, just a barrel. <laughs> just a stump, right? Um, that's where I'm heading. But uh, yeah, remember he was in that movie Noah. And it was like, Noah. I never watched it. Have you not? Oh, it's worth no. watching, for sure. Mm. You know, CGI stuff, you know. Um, yeah. But it's really uh, like accurate to the bible so a lot of people don't hear like the real story from the bible where when they come out of the garden of eden like there's all mad like an alien giants and all trying to kill them you know all the, oh okay and, and is that in in noah in, in the it's in the movie oh okay i might yeah. watch it and loads of people are like what is that that's not what i heard and they're like we're trying to be accurate you know so that's what you believe <clears> if you believe that sure. mm. but um anyway so that was jordan peterson if people want to learn a little bit more about him i would suggest Maybe for me, it's not a book that you need to read. You can listen to an audio pitch, an hour and a half, I think, of his um, lecture on it. I think that will give you the, the yeah. The Some people, his voice would be annoying too, but yeah. I think it's I think it's good that he. I, I prefer. I hate when you download a, an audio book and then you find out it's not the person. I, I don't care who the person is. I just want to. Yeah. Hear I, the, I just don't believe the actor. Sometimes I downloaded um, Gabriel Burns' uh, autobiography there. And just him talking through it, it's just so good. Class. Um, I listened to The Alchemist recently, and uh, it's one of those ones that I'm going to have to try to beg Mark to listen to. Um, I'm still, <laughs> still listening to, to listen Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Becoming Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool too. But uh, The Alchemist is kind of one of those uh, you know, classic kind of visualization type books. But it's such a really, it's just a really nice story to listen to. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's not, it's like four hours or something. So you can get through. They it. make a movie of it. I think there is a movie. Um, uh, but this, it's, re- it's read by Jeremy Irons. And I'll listen to him, you know, talk about anything. He's got such mm. a cool voice. Um, so, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think we might do an alchemist. Uh, I think that might be too much to the shark pod, Mark. You'd tell me to go, you're going to walk off. We've done, you, we've done you two in review and the, the people out there like that. People are loving well, the ones that The ones that didn't like it didn't sound. Yeah. Um, you know, someone said, you know what? It is a beautiful day, you know, and on that note, on that bombshell, uh, we're going to wrap it up. But everyone out there, if you want to hear more stuff, breakdowns of books, if you want to hear more from me and Mark about different, uh, if you want to hear us talk shite about 
different philosophers and stuff like that let us know we're going to mix in more uh, guests coming up but me and Mark actually prefer not prefer but we like doing these ones too that's a good way for us yeah. to catch up I think I think it's probably a good thing if you ask people if if they know anyone who would be a really interesting guest to to send you know yeah. recommendations our way because we're, we're fairly open as to like we when we started we we had a list of people that we really wanted to have a chat with yeah and we kind of got through that quite quickly um but there's so many other people out there but it's just sometimes you you know if you're not on twitter and not reading the news you just you know you don't know what's going on out there and we're probably missing really good uh, guests exactly so if you want to write to luke at shark.ie um, with any suggestions for guests or people that you know that would be interested to come on. I was actually talking, I bumped into someone in Dunleary that said that their friend would be a great guest. So I'm going to follow up with that as well. But um, yeah, cool. All right. See you later, Mark. Cool.